0: One of the things that I want to talk about is how do you preserve a movement from becoming a monument? I want you to understand. A movement of God can become a monument and it can become a pilgrimage site if you don't flow with the move of God. It's very, very important to understand that great moves of God in past today stand as a monument. What was it that happened in that generation that next generation failed to adapt in? Upper room, what God has given to you is a global movement. And if you are are not careful with what God has given to you, I'm afraid it has potential to turn itself into a monument. I want you to understand something about the presence of God. If you turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 24, I want to show you something that I believe the Lord highlighted to me. Matthew chapter 24, verse number 1 we are going to read and then we'll go further. Matthew 24, verse number 1. It says, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, You see all these? Do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Now it's a very dangerous turn warning. Listen carefully. Come back to verse number 1. I want you to notice something. Did Jesus enter the temple or was he leaving the temple? Watch carefully. Jesus left the temple and was going away. Where was he going? He was going out of the temple. When his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. Jesus is no longer in the building, but yet disciples are bragging about the building. Jesus is saying, don't you see, it is not about the facility, it is about the person called Christ. Don't you see that it is about me and I am no longer there. And when I leave that place, it becomes a monument. But they were celebrating the building more than the person the danger of success is it is addictive. That we can fall in love with that success so much that we don't walk with the one who gives that success. I want you to know this. Never give your heart to the gift. Give your heart to the giver. In this scripture, the Bible says, Jesus left the temple. That means he left it. What was it that he left the temple? Why would he leave the temple? He left the temple and was going away. But disciples were telling him about the temple. And it's very, very interesting to me to know That great ministries turn out to be monuments. Great movement of God turn out to be monuments. If you lose the respect for the presence of God. Disciples became so familiar with Jesus Christ. That they were no longer in awe of Jesus. They were in awe of the building. Let me tell you. Now, at this place, when upper room is becoming a global entity, when upper room is, be- is, is being highlighted globally, there is a potential of us to be lost in the glamour of being known in the world and losing the awe of God. There is a potential of enjoying how many hits we had this month versus how many times we behold him. There is a danger of continue to see how are we doing in the sight of the eyes of man versus the sight of the eyes of the one who beholds us constantly.
1: And I just want to
0: help you to align your heart back. Some of us have joined in upper room from other churches. You know why? Because we perceive this is a new move of God. listen, my friends, one choice and the movement becomes monument. And the choice is not to honor the one Jesus. You can gather around everything else and it may be amazing. But let me remind you of one thing. Paul says, I have hold on to him who held me. And if you hold on to that one person and not really make it about upper room, not make it about our culture, not make it about our language and our DNA, and not make it about what we have done, but make it about him alone. I tell you, you will continue to be a movement of God. Because it is easy, it is easy, I tell you the danger, The danger is when you follow Jesus Christ, your footprints become heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier for the rest of the world to track you and follow. But then comes the danger when you walk and you begin to notice, man, your footprints are really becoming bigger and nice. Wow, this is awesome. And then you stumble and fall down. You know why? Why did you fall? Because you are no longer looking at his footprint. You are enjoying your footprints. There are more people in Bible who fail to handle success. When people are broken, it is easy to be at his feet. But when you are on the height of your success, this is what the Bible says. David wrote a lament saying how the mighty have fallen on the mountaintops. Listen, mighty did not fall down. When they were beginning to climb the mountain, they fell down on their mountaintops. It is important. The higher you go, the greater your influence becomes, that the more sharper you are in following him. And I want to encourage you. I mean, with trembling, I want to speak this because I know I am sharing this to you, but it applies to me. I have tasted the bitter sting of success in ministry. I have tasted what name and fame can do to you. It destroys you completely. It ruins your life completely. Because once you have tasted the goodness of God, sin is no longer your desire. But you know what destroys you? It's not sin anymore. What destroys you is self. What destroys you is the vision of God. Listen to me very carefully. When vision begins to occupy your heart more than the presence of God, you are already in a danger zone. Do not hold your vision so tight that you can no longer walk with him. Moses understood that God said to Moses Moses these are stiff-necked people if I go with them I'm gonna destroy them so I'm not gonna walk with them but listen I'm gonna send an angel and fulfill every promise I have made to Israel they will go to the promised land but you know what Moses said God I'm not interested in promise if you don't go I'm not going if you don't move we don't want to move my heaven is where you are my destination is where you are i'm not looking for a promised land this cloud that shows up every day is my promised land and i don't want a river full of honey or milk i'm okay with this cloud As long as I have this cloud, I have my world intact, Lord. But the danger is to get used to that cloud so much. Imagine, Israel got used to 40 years seeing that cloud so much that they had audacity to bring a calf in presence of that cloud. That even when God was present, they built a golden calf and said, this is our God, that day also the cloud was present. But they just got used to it. Morning, noon and evening, they would walk out of their camp and behold the glory of God with their eyes. And they got used to that glory. You know why? Because enemy used a weapon against them. And I want to talk about that weapon today. It is called offense. It's called offense that enemy introduces to church. In Matthew 24, when Jesus is talking about how movement becomes a monument, and he says, this temple brick upon brick will not be there. Disciples gather to him asking another question. So tell us what is going to be the sign of your coming? And he begins to talk to them, and he talks about the end time signs. And in verse number 10, he tells them something very important that I think applies to each one of us. You can read it in Matthew chapter 24, verse number 10. He says, and then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. He says, then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Here the translation says fall away. In my translation, New King King James Version, it is saying many will be offended. You know, offense is a real deal. It destroys a healthy marriage. It destroys a healthy family. It destroys a healthy business. It destroy, It becomes a wall of barrier between best of the friends. What happens? Offense ruins the love between two. It's like, you know, it's like a termite that eats up everything. It is statistically, it is said that the most, you know, Losses that the world every year has is not because of the Katrina or because of hurricanes that come, you know, or even, you know, tsunamis or anything. It's the termites that cause most of the damage in the world. And I want you to understand something. If we are not careful as a body of Christ, to walk in the love that initially propelled us to come near Jesus, is that love that brought you to him will sustain you in success. Do not allow the popularity to become your identity. It's easy. Oh, you're from Upper Room. Excellent, man. Wow. Hmm. No longer I am happy about that I belong to Jesus. I'm happy that I'm part of Upper Room. And I live from Upper Room to Upper Room. But listen, my friends. Bible has more other rooms than upper room. If you read your Bible, you will discover how what started in upper room became a global move. And whenever people stopped honoring this one man, Jesus, the movement died. But denomination continued. Denomination continued. Ministry continued. Why? Because the momentum was there. Habitual practice was there. I mean even when the glory of God had lifted up from the Ark of Covenant, from the temple, people, high priest every year will still go there. And still offer and come out and give bless. But the glory had already left. Even the presence of God has gone over from that system. People still go to the wailing wall and keep on doing that. Why do people continue to do that? Because we keep practices alive, but the presence is lost. And getting goosebump is not the validity of presence of God, because you can see a cat and get a goosebump. I know one night I was sleeping in my room and suddenly a black cat came and she sat so close to me looking at me like this. I was sleeping. I opened my eyes and I see a cat looking at me. I got goosebumps, man. It wasn't anointing. Your emotions can deceive you. But today come to the Lord with the presence of God. It's very important for us to understand that many will be deceived. If the Lord says many, he means many. Yeah? I want you to understand, offense is a real deal. In the church of Galatians chapter 5, verse number 7, the Bible says, You did run well, but what happened? Who hindered you from following the truth? very important notice there that the word of God brings to us today. He said, you did run well, but what happened? Who hindered you? Who stopped you from following the truth? When I read this verse, it reminded me of a character called Naman in Old Testament in 2 Kings chapter 5. Would you come in your Bibles with me to 2 Kings chapter 5 verse number 8 to verse number 12. You all know this story from days of Sunday school. You know, we all know those characters in the Bible. And Dallas especially knows all of them. It's a Bible belt of the entire world. If Dallas doesn't know it, no one else knows it. But let's look at the scripture passage in the Bible. It talks about in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse number 8, that this man, read this verse it says, So Naaman came with his horses and chariots, And stood at the door of Alicia's house. I like this scripture passage. The story goes like this. That there is a captain of Syrian army. He is no small guy. He is a captain of an entire army. He is a general of entire army. Soldiers obey his command. Lives. You know difference between life and death is at his command. He says kill and people kill. He says save and people save. He is a man of authority. But there is one problem that he has. He has leprosy. But outside when you see him, he is a nice built guy. He is wearing the most shiny armor. When he picks up a sword, nobody even knows that what is inside that armor. But outside, the armor is glamorous. When he walks, people give him standing ovation when he comes on his horseback. I can almost imagine him in my my mind that, you know, a man who knows no weakness. When you see him fully dressed in his attire as a captain of the army, man, he's impressive. He demands respect just by looking at him. But deep down inside, when that armor is removed... There is something that he hides inside. And he's stricken with leprosy, a deadly disease which has no cure. But there may not be leprosy to any one of us here today in the way that Naman had, but we may have something else that we like to hide under our armor. And it is not revealed to anybody because we always hide behind our anointing. We hide behind our armor and we just hide behind what our glamour has produced. But there is something inside. May Holy Spirit help us to see that. And may Holy Spirit bring us to the place where healing and restoration happens. Naaman heard the great news by a small girl, a slave girl in her house, that there is a man of God in Samaria who had capacity to heal him. So think about this, that this man actually believes the gospel preached to him by a slave girl. Such a mighty man, yet believing a slave. There's something good about him. That he believed what that girl said. Maybe his wife persuaded him, that's a different story. But he came. He came. He believed. Wives have amazing capacity to change the heart of the king. All throughout the scripture you find that. And even today, that is not changed. One thing I know about wife, that anointing doesn't work on her. (laughs) It may work on the rest of the world, but nothing works on the wife. Why? Because God designed her to be helper. She sees through your armor inside. Hallelujah. So those who are still bachelor, I'm sorry you have no defense. Get married soon. Jesus is coming soon. (laughs) But see what happens. In Amman's story, it's so fascinating to me. The man takes offering with him. He takes the whole entourage of people with him. He goes to king, takes a letter from the king. It becomes an international news. And he comes and he stands with his horses and chariots. Look at, he has not come alone. He has come with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. Think about it in this way, that he has come to Elisha's house. He has already taken all the steps of faith. He has taken an offering with him. He believes in the gospel that was preached to him. He has put his word into action. He believed faith without action is dead. But this man also believed. He also put it into action. He came all that distance. And now he is one more step away from the place of his miracle. And what happens? Verse number 10? It's a beautiful thing. And Alisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. Wow. So he comes stand at the door of Alisha. Imagine, you can imagine all the horses, chariots. There is a huge entourage that comes and standing. You know, there, there may be some horses with offerings for Alisha. And he comes, he is a city news before coming to the door of Elisha, he has gone to the king of Israel and he said to them that, you know, I am here. King tears off his comments saying, oh man, this king is looking for an excuse to fight with me. And there is no hope for me. But it's amazing what happens there. It's become a national news. It's become an international news. Now he is one more step. Elisha sends a messenger to him. But Naaman was angry. But Naaman was angry and went away. Saying behold I thought that he would surely come out to me. And stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God. And wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Think about it. A patient comes to doctor. But he's refusing to take prescription from doctor. He brings his own prescription. And he wants that doctor to give him his prescription. That's what this Naaman is doing. He comes to man of God, but he is not willing to receive from the man of God. He has a preconceived idea what this man is supposed to do with me. And how many times when we come to the church, we do not really come to the church expecting the move of God to touch our life, but we have an expectation how and we define how that move should be. And if it is not the way I expected it to be, uh uh-oh, rest is history then. I don't understand. Naman, you believed in what small girl said. You believed in what your wife said. You believed it so much that you were not embarrassed to go to your own king and say, oh king, send me to our enemy's nation so that I can go and be healed by their prophet. That there is a God in Israel which is superior than our God and his God is going to heal my problem. And I'm willing to travel internationally to another country to receive what I want. But when I come over there, I don't get a red carpet welcome. And I am taken so lightly that he doesn't even bother to come out personally to meet me. He's just sending another servant of his He say, go tell him, go to Jordan. Boom. Wow. He was so full of himself. That he thought the man of God would come, call on his name, lay his hands on me, and then it's going to be. You know, it's like I'm going to receive it, but I will receive this only from Pastor Mirror. If anybody else in the team comes and does it to me, I'm not going to receive it. <laughs> so he came for his miracle, but only Pastor Alicia can give it to him. He's not willing to receive it from any subordinate. How often that happens in us. How often when our expectation is not met. We behave like him. And see Bible says. But Naaman was angry. And went away saying behold I thought that he would come. Surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God. And wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Next verse. Are not Abana and Parpar the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. What do you think? He took 99 steps in faith. Devil did not stop him. But devil stopped him on 99th step. And suddenly his mind is thinking all these things. Are my my places better than this one? And there is this spirit of comparison that has taken over him suddenly at this point. The moment offense enters into your heart, the next thing you do is you start comparing. This is what happened to Naman. My friends, if you come here just to compare between the churches, you are already offended. You have come here as sick man, sick woman. Because you are coming here to see who is who. You are not coming here to meet the one who causes this church to be. Church is not a social club where we come to meet and see the benefits of this membership. We come to meet the person called Jesus Christ. And if he is not the reason, then every other reason is contributing to make it a monument. And I pray that upper room will be safeguarded through this word. That your life will be safeguarded through this word. Tonight I know I am not preaching to be popular. I am preaching because I am responsible. And I believe it with all all of my heart what I am sharing. Naman came but he also left without receiving what he came for. Are you like Naban? That you are coming into this place to have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus but you leave this place without having that encounter? That you come here with everything else and you talk about everything else and do not have a real encounter with Christ. Then what's the point of coming in if you fail to meet him? Isn't it coming in about coming to him, for him? My prayer is that whenever you come in, you come in for him. That these buildings will not be a place which becomes a social gathering. Oh, the music was great. Oh, the new projector was great. Or the new facility was amazing. It's not about that. It's about the one called Jesus and as long as you have that burning desire in you about jesus you are protecting your own self every time your heart desires anything more than jesus repent and come to the lord there is another character that i found in bible it's very interesting character it's found in first samuel chapter 18 verse 5 to 10 onwards you come across king saul it's an amazing king he's the first king of israel God has elevated him from the, from the tribe of Benjamin and he is tallest among all. He is already identified by the greatest prophet of that time. He is recognized by all. The whole nation follows him. He is nothing to be insecure about and his heart is already amazing. Now he gets a subordinate who fights his battle. His name is David. And he calls him son and David calls him father. This is an amazing relationship between both of them. And the whole nation feels secure because of their relationship with each other. That David goes and fights his battles and Saul enjoys the victories that David brings in. And the whole nation is secured because of this team. But one day, as David fought the battle and had victories and was returning back to the city of Jerusalem, you find one thing. That Saul went to welcome David. And while... While he went out, this is what the Bible says in verse number six, and David went out and was successful. They were coming home. When David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul. Listen, women came to meet whom? Can you repeat it again? Can you repeat it again? Women came out to meet, but who was returning from the battle? They didn't come to meet David, they came to meet Saul. This guy was highly popular. He was really darling of everyone else. He has nothing to fear from anybody's success. He didn't go for battle. Someone else went. He just went to welcome them. And all the women came to meet him. And listen, what happens? Women came out of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines and songs of joy and with musical instrument. Imagine what, how much honor they have for their king. That they come to meet him. But you know what? Something happens at this point. Verse number 7, please. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. They came to meet Saul, but they praised David. They came to meet Saul, but they praised David. David. It's like somebody gets up from the audience, they come to the worship leader and say, man, what an amazing song that was. And fail to recognize another person in the worship team. Doesn't say anything to them. And when they meet her, that was amazing, but I loved what he sang. Whoa, that is enough. That is enough to turn a ministry into a monument. This one song of two-line chorus destroyed Saul's kingdom, destroyed his anointing, destroyed his call, destroyed everything about this man. I will show to you that Bible says that women's song has potential to destroy kingdoms. Please don't write this kind of song. (laughs) But guess what happens? Verse number 8. And Saul was very angry. This saying displeased him. He said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands. And to me they have ascribed thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? Next verse. And Saul eyed David from that day on. Wow. The one he was proud of, the one he trusted with everything. He trusted David with his own daughter. But could not handle comparison. Listen, my friend, comparison will destroy things. Saul lost everything. Because spirit of comparison came around him. Listen. A real story I will tell you. I was in Nagpur. And one day, um, you know, in Nagpur there, was a, there is a great church. And uh, there are two pastors. They both are twin brothers. And they are great friends to me. No longer they both are alive now. They used to be. Um, but one day, an older brother called me. And he said to me this, hey, you know what? Something amazing happened last Sunday. I said, what happened? He said, as we were worshipping last Sunday, a lady walks in and she manifested demon. And when she manifested demon, my assistant pastor, my younger brother, woke up and began to command and address the demon, rebuke it. But the more he would do it, she wouldn't reply to him. And finally, the demon said to my brother in presence of whole church, the demon said, hey, I am not scared of you, but I am scared of your brother. You say anything, I will not listen. But if he only whispers, I cannot stay here. Demon came and said this. Suddenly, the older brother stood up took the mic and said, get out in Jesus' name. And sure enough, that very second, she was delivered. The story became viral all around the city. Younger brother was crushed. Older one was puffed. And now he called me, sharing this testimony in an envelope of prayer request saying, Pray for my younger brother that God would do something in his life. I'm concerned about his spiritual life. And I said, I'm concerned about your life. I said, you know what? Since when you started believing the leading of evil spirit? What makes you that that evil spirit spoke the truth? The Bible says, devil is the father of all lies. That means every time enemy opens mouth only thing that comes out is a lie. How is it that your entire church believes the message of an evil spirit and then don't believe what Father has to say about his children? The church was split apart over that one witness of evil spirit. My friends, You may not have that kind of evil spirit, but you may have a lying tongue floating around that continues to gossip and that continues to compare people and leadership. That continues to say, oh, you know what? My pastor is better than their pastor. Or that is better than this in our church. Listen, we are not in business of who is better than whom. We are in business of beholding him who lost his beauty so that we can become like him. And if you fail to live in that place and that standard, I'm afraid but this ministry will become a monument. I want to remind you again that as we come up higher, it is important to be even more focused. Consecrate your hearing. Consecrate your speaking. Consecrate your heart. Even with more responsibility because now world is watching you. I want you to know, Upper Room, you are a dream church for the rest of the world. And it is important for you to understand that there are others who are crying day and night to God to have what you have. Don't be like Saul to lose what he had over a spirit of comparison. He failed to understand. God anointed him to be the king. And if his subordinates were flourishing and becoming more popular than him, he should have rejoiced like Jesus is not intimidated by the success of his disciples. When disciples come and say in your name, we even demons are subjected to it. He said, wow, I saw Satan fall like a lightning. He said, if you believe in me, you will do more than me. He's not intimidated by anybody's success. He says, come unto me and I will make you fishers of man. You will do what I do and even much more. Let's stand in that place that every other generation that comes through upper room will be mightier and stronger and more glorious than the former one. And if we fail to sow that seed in that direction, we will be responsible for the destruction of nation not long ago holy spirit said to me son the future of your nation depends on your intimacy with me and today i want to give you what i received future of your nation depends on your intimacy with jesus and god in his kindness has chosen to be intimate with you don't take it lightly don't take it lightly don't take it lightly Don't take it nightly because an open heaven is on this land. But if God can open heaven, he can also shut down heaven. In history, he has done that before. During the days of Samuel, the word of God was not much. It was shut. Heavens were shut. In the time period after Malachi, before John came, the longest period there was silence from heaven. God had done that before. My friends, I want you to be responsible with what you're carrying. It's like a woman who is pregnant. She's responsible of what she eats. She makes wise choices on what she eats, what she drinks, how she walks, where she goes, what she exposes herself to. Because she's pregnant. Or she is nursing a child. She's feeding a child. She is always conscious of her decisions that's going to impact the child. My friends, I want you to know this. Your impact has turned global. There are millions of people online watching. This may look like local community, but you are are reaching North Korea. You are reaching India. You are reaching China. You are reaching globe. And if you are not careful with what you are carrying, somebody is going to believe and eat it. Because once they begin to trust you Whatever you say they will take it It's very important To live a life of credibility In honor of beholding him I pray that Holy Spirit Will anchor this message deep in our spirits That we will be rooted and grounded in Christ Unmovable from that space That God puts us Saul Lost everything Because of comparison there's third character that i want to bring to you interesting come with me to john chapter 6 verse number 61 bible says many of the disciples got offended at what jesus taught and no longer walk, walked with him can you come to verse number 61 see but jesus knowing in himself that these disciples were grumbling about this said to them do you take offenses that, at this if you read what had happened Verse number 66, see what happens. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Can you shake your neighbor and say, they got offended at Jesus. The one who had no fault in him. The one who had no fault, they got offended with him. You know, you can be so good that your goodness can offend someone. That you can be so pure that your purity can offend someone. They got offended by goodness of God. There are other people in the in the very nation of America where they are getting offended by what God is good to you. Remember the story when he had some of the laborers come at the last hour. And those who came at the last he gave them whole day's wages. And when others who were working for the whole day and when they were given the same reward that the one who worked only for an hour were given. They were offended. And he says, why does it bother to you out of the goodness of my heart? Can I not do what I have done? Have I robbed you of anything? But they were offended. My friends, God's goodness can cause an offense. Because we think, I deserve more. Again, in that story of labors in the vineyard, you will find one thing. This again, compared themselves with someone else. Comparison is deadly. It's a deadly weapon that enemy uses. We need to be watchful and careful that I don't fall in trap with comparison. God did not call me to compare. God called me to preach the good news. God didn't call me to compare. He called me to behold his beauty, to worship him, to love him. These people I have created for my praise. Not for comparison. Comparison is is fleshly. It is not the fruit of spirit. Church don't need it. We don't need spirit of comparison. It is not from the Holy Spirit. The Bible says no longer those disciples walked with him. You know why? Because in that chapter Jesus said my blood is indeed a drink and my my body is indeed a bread. Who eats of me and drinks of me, he surely has an eternal life. Now their law said you should never drink blood. And they got offended at this. Because the law of Moses said something. And now Jesus was talking. Here I am. I'm giving my blood. Take it and drink it. And they said what? Have you lost your mind? Imagine they followed Jesus. Knowing oh God you are the son of God. You are Messiah. You are the prophecy fulfilled in our time. And crowds would follow him. But they lost him. Over one offense. You know why? Because he spoke something that was traditionally believed. And his word was against what that traditional belief was. My friend, I want to tell you one thing. That traditional belief was not belief given from man. It was something given by God in that generation. Law, Moses did not come up with. God gave him. Meaning, if you hold on to your previous revelation too tight... It will hinder you from walking in the present move of God. It's very, very important. Devil has no capacity to stop you from moving in the revelation of God. But you know what has? The previous revelation of God. It's a danger. Let me give you an example to prove what I'm saying. One day God said to Moses, Moses, speak to the rock and it will give you water. But Moses, rather than speaking, he takes the rod and hits the rock. And the water still came. People were satisfied. It was a divine miracle. But God was not happy. Why was God not happy? Because Moses disobeyed. I wonder that God was so compassionate that he overruled his disobedience and still worked. How many times that we are still disobeying. But God is still performing what he is doing. Because he has compassion on his people. But we think I must have done something right. That's why this happened. And that's a trap. Mr. Moses fell in that trap. He clearly disobeyed God. You know why did he disobey God? Because first time when when they were in that situation. God said to him hit the rock. So you know what? He hold on to previous revelations so tightly and he had seen success there. Now God was saying him, God wanted to raise him up to a next level that no need to hit now. Speak. And there is a greater mystery to it because Jesus was that rock, that writer of Hebrews says. And he was supposed to be stricken only once on the cross. Next time, just talk to Jesus and things will happen. But you know what? He crucified him again. And I want you to understand something. It's very, very important that God was upset with Moses. And for the longest period, he could not go to promised land. But thank God, when Jesus showed up on the Mount of Transfiguration, God did give him a second chance to go there. God brought him with Elijah. But he lost that moment. You know why? Because he held to his previous revelation too tight. These disciples left Jesus Christ and no longer followed him because they were holding on to previous revelation too tight. My friend, God has begun a new move. There was a season of anointing. Listen carefully what I am saying. But now the entire church is moving from the face of anointing into a face of glory. And if you hold to the anointing revelation too tight you will miss out on the present move of God. In the anointing, man of God has to work. But in the glory, God himself works. And all you do is you enjoy him. Upper room, you are tapping into glory. Let go of every other revelation, even what you have received from the Lord and even the books that you have written yourself. There was a season for that. It's gone. The new has come. Walk in the newness of spirit now. Let go of the practices. You all come to this church, but you bring the baggages of your previous church. And when you come with that baggage, you bring all that you have learned there. I'm not saying what was taught was wrong, but listen, there is something brand new God is doing here. And unless you make vacancy in your heart, you will never be able to receive the new. Because new has, it's so new, it's so new that we are still finding a language to define it. But Moses made that error of not walking in the new that God had. And he lost what God could have done through him. Disciples left Jesus and never walked again because they hold too tightly the previous move of God. It's dangerous to do that. When God moves, you move. Forget about that movement. You know our problem is, we highlight the experience more than the person. But Paul gave us a beautiful formula. He said, forgetting the past. He didn't say forgetting the bad past. He simply said, forgetting the past. Meaning all good, all bad. Once I pass that movement of God, it is done. I don't look at it because I'm pursuing Jesus. I'm steadfast beholding his glory, O Lord. I will continue to walk in his glory. There's another example that I find in the Bible. That's of John the Baptist. It's in Matthew chapter 11, verse 1 to 6. It's incredible, man. John the Baptist I wonder that Jesus says nobody greater than him has been born of women. A man who had accurate revelation of Jesus Christ. He looked at Jesus and he says, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Even before Jesus performing any single miracle. He identifies Jesus publicly and he says, I need to be baptized by you. And what is amazing about this man that one day he is in prison. And when he is prison, he sends two of his disciples and he says, go find out whether this Jesus is real deal. John, what happened? You introduced him to the rest of the world. Today, you are doubting what you preached. Two of your disciples left you listening to your message and followed Jesus. But what is your problem, John? Why didn't you stop your ministry and follow Jesus? I always think about this, that John failed to walk with Jesus. Why did he fail to walk with Jesus? Two of his disciples left him and followed Jesus. He should have left everything and followed Jesus. If he knew that I have come forerunner, when Jesus comes in, just follow him. He doesn't do that. And this is what the Bible declares here. That John got offended. Because Jesus replied and said, you know, blind are seeing, lame are walk. Gospel is being preached to the poor. He says all of those things and he says one thing. Blessed is he who is not offended in me. My friend, it's very important. Great men lost in the kingdom because they gave themselves to the spirit of comparison. I just want to bring you this word of conscience, of caution. I know it's a little longer, but I believe it is necessity this additional time spent is going to protect you. It's going to protect you. Believe me, it's going to really protect you. Hold on to it. Hold on to Jesus Christ. The last example that I want to bring to you is Judas Iscariot. In Matthew 26, verse number 16, Bible says, Judas went and betrayed Jesus. Here is my point. Why? Did Judas betray Jesus? If you go back and read, read the story, you find that a woman comes with an alabaster box and breaks at the feet of Jesus Christ, and she's worshiping Jesus. And they and other disciples are offended at his at her worship. Her worship was offensive to them, and she did that. And Judas said, "Oh, what a waste of this amazing perfume! We could have sold it and did do charity among the poor people." But you know what Bible says? Jesus said, leave that woman alone. What she has done is right. She has anointed me for my death. Up till now, nobody has a problem. But then Jesus made an something amazing statement. Jesus said, women, wherever the gospel of the kingdom is preached, what you have done will be mentioned. And when Jesus said that, suddenly, heart of Judas takes an offense. He said, Wow. Well, We left everything, followed him. He never said that, that our name will be taken. We have been following you three and a half years, every day and night. We gave up our families. We gave up our job. We gave up our... We were founding members in your team. Somebody just comes in now and, and does one act of worship, and you elevated that person above us. And the Bible says from that time onwards... Judas sought for an opportunity to betray Jesus. From that time onwards. Can you imagine from that precious place of worship to Jesus. That today the world talks about how amazingly this lady poured out worship to Jesus Christ. That from that place of worship Jesus sought an, uh, Judas sought an opportunity to betray Jesus. My friend, we are a house of worship unto the Lord. Think about it. Judas, Lucifer was a worshipper and an offense came into his heart because spirit of comparison caught him there. In heaven. If it could happen in heaven, it can happen on earth. We must protect our heart from spirit of comparison. Especially when upper room has become a manufacturing belt of worship leaders. Why is so and so song so popular and I write more songs and I'm appreciated more but my song is not popular. Next statement will be go to hell. Why? Because that's what you are carrying inside you. Comparison is from the pit of hell. It is not from Jesus Christ. So what is the remedy? How do we protect ourselves? Jesus said in the last days many will fall prey to this. Thank God Jesus did not say all will be fall prey. He said many. That means there is hope. And I want to be among those few that don't fall prey to this. How many of you want to be among those few who don't fall prey to this spirit? For rest, service is over. You can go home. (laughs) But this is what I found as a remedy in the scripture. One scripture, Psalms 119 verse 165. Psalms 119 verse 165. The Bible says, Great peace have those who love your word, O God, and nothing offends them. Beautiful verse. It says, oh, we are still at Judas. From that moment onwards, he sought an opportunity to betray him. See, the one who kissed Jesus betrayed him. The one who had closeness enough to kiss the son of God had wound enough to betray him. Had pride enough to betray him. How do we save God ourselves? I mean, see, we are worshiping the one we have not seen. He was worshiping the one he was walking with. He was not somebody ordinary. When Jesus sent two by two, he also came with witness saying that in your name, demons obey. He was productive in the ministry. He was so trusted in the ministry that he was taking, you know, account of all the cash that came in into ministry. But that man got offended. Look at what Bible says in Psalms 119 verse 165. It says, Great peace have those who love your word, O God. And nothing offends them. Nothing offends them. If your heart falls prey to spirit of comparison and offense, know one thing, you don't love the word of God. People, those who do not love the word of God, fall prey to spirit of comparison. But if you love the word of God, you will never be Pray to comparison. Why? Because your identity comes from what he speaks. Satan came to Jesus and said, if you are a son of God, he said, forget about that. Where were you few days back? I was at Jordan River and God spoke, this is my beloved son. My identity doesn't come from if, it comes from yes, I am. Because father declared it. If you love the word of God, your heart will be free of offense. He says, great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Can you look to your neighbor and say, this verse is for you. Nothing means nothing. <laughs> Hallelujah. The second thing that I found in the scripture is very, very interesting. The story is found in Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 to 28. And when you read this story, the story is about a seraphine woman... Who comes to Jesus for the healing of his daughter. And Jesus looks at her and basically says. It is not good for me to take the bread of children and give it to. Dogs. And this is happening publicly. Tell me one thing. If your pastor called you dog publicly. How many of you would come in that church? Would you come to that church? Where pastor say, you dog. You're here Again. Basically, Jesus is looking at that woman publicly, calling her a dog. But you know what she says? Yes, master. Even dogs eat of the crumbs that fall from master's table. Wow. And Jesus said, women, for an answer such as this, you see your daughter is healed. And then Jesus went on declaring something amazing. He said, women, great is your faith. Great is your faith. I said, Lord, Why are you talking about faith to her? You were offending her, but she didn't receive that offense. And you're saying, great is your faith. Lord led me to Ephesians chapter 6, where Bible says, pick up your shield of faith. What is the work of a shield? It It is a defense against the attack of enemy. It is a protection. Imagine if my shield is this much, and you all start throwing stone at me, can I save myself? No, but if my shield is bigger than me, wider than me, and you all throw your stone, I can still sleep well, knowing nothing is going to hurt me because my faith is big. My friend, if you get offended by little things, no, your faith is not gone. Your shield is very, very small. You don't know how to use your shield because Bible says offense will come. Offense will come offense will come in your workplace it will come in your ministry it will come in your family it will come between husband and wife it will come between parents and children it will come between siblings it will come everywhere I mean there were only two brothers on the planet Kain and Abel and offense came there even in the father's house we know the story of prodigal son and offense came there even in maryam and martha and the offense came there even in david and his brothers and offense came there no wonder bible says behold how good and pleasant it is that brethren dwell together in unity why because offense comes there and in ministry it is not absent in churches it is not absent in homes it is not absent The way to protect yourself is work on your faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And word of God does not compare you with someone else. He said, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are unique. There is no one like you. And if you believe that, your faith muscle will get stronger. You will not be intimidated by another man's gifting, by another man's anointing, by another man's dispensersion stories you know that the problem we have in a growing church that when you have a pastor like michael miller whose every day is like filled with glorious story of manifestation of power of god whether it is on street or whether it is on nation and you sit down thinking man this man sees the power of god day in day out and i don't see it listen my friends You will say, I don't have a story like him. My testimony is very small. Listen carefully. With God in your story, it is no longer your story. It is his story. (laughs) Hallelujah. If God is part of your story, no matter how small that story is, it is still God's story. It is still God's story. There are so many unsung heroes in the Bible Whose names are not famous and the Bible doesn't even tell their names. But yet their season, they carried the move of God. God is calling for those people, no name, no face people, to arise. And they will say, you know what? I walk in the identity of Christ and that's all matters. I don't even bother about my identity. I have no fear of public opinion. So I have no fear of rejection. Because my acceptance doesn't come from what people have to say. My acceptance comes from what he has to say. And I will never put myself in the spirit of comparison. Because I am accepted already. Live in that. It's so amazing to see that so many of them lost their battles. Lost their crowns. Lost their future. Because they allowed comparison to come in their life. They allowed offense to come into their life this woman had great faith my friends in book of Jude verse number 24 the Bible says now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his presence have fellowship with that Holy Spirit if you abide in Jesus there is no offense in him on the cross he was naked not offended On the cross, he was bleeding, but yet without offense. On the cross, they were spitting at him. They were beating him. They were killing him. And yet he was looking at neighbor and saying, Today you shall be with me in paradise. Yay! (laughs) Wow. Wow. The man knows how to rejoice in another man's breakthrough in midst of his pain. The one who is not delivered from the cross. Yet delivering someone from their cross. That's what church is. In the midst of your unanswered prayer. Believing God for someone's answer. In the midst of pain. Believing God for someone else's breakthrough. That's what God is calling up a room to. To be exact representation of Jesus Christ. So that we can live like Jesus. We are the aroma of Jesus Christ in this world. Yes, people say nasty things, but if you are dead in Christ, it shouldn't matter to you. Because one thing I know, dead body doesn't get offended. You can jump on it. You can kick it. It doesn't get offended. You can throw stones at it. You can bury it. Paul says, I die daily. And when I die, there is no offense that comes to me. Because I am crucified with Jesus. Tonight. I'm calling you to cross, to crucify yourself so that spirit of offense will have no access to you. Naaman lost it, nearly lost it because of offense. Saul lost it because of offense. Disciples lost it because of offense. They no longer walked with Jesus. My friends, Judas lost it because of that offense. These were the men who touched him, who walked with him, who heard him. They saw him face to face. He could kiss him on his cheek. Offense works best in intimacy. The closer you are, the offense works in that intimacy. Please know that. The biggest proof of that is divorce. People give divorce to the very one they decided to love and live the rest of their life with because of that offense. But tonight at the cross, there is freedom. Tonight at the cross, there is freedom. When you die to your your expectations, when you die to yourself, when you crucify yourself, There is freedom. There is freedom. Close your eyes and think about it. There's an invitation to live a crucified life. That Jesus is calling me to live a crucified life. There are families here who do not even talk to their extended families because of offense. There are individuals here who no longer go and meet the friends from other church because they are offended. And they left that church because of an offense. You were bleeding there, you are bleeding here. But tonight, the love of God is available. And amazingly, the word of God just kills you. Because there is only one thing Unless you die, you're not free of offense. Tonight there is forgiveness. May his love fill your heart with his joy and peace. Holy Spirit is asking you, would you allow him to help you to walk out of offense? Today coming to Jesus Christ saying, Lord, crucify me, Lord. I want to be a crucified Christian. I want to be a crucified Christian. I want to be a crucified Christian. A man who is in love with cross of Jesus. Because that's the place where enemy does not hang himself. Cross is only for sons. Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. Because that cross is a place of safety and protection for you. Pick up your cross and follow me. Because that cross has capacity to keep you away from offense. You know, sometimes we believe God for greater things and we start walking. And when it doesn't show up that way, we get discouraged. And we say, have I made a false choice? Why did I let go of my business? Why am I serving church? It would have been better for me to continue with that. My income got affected. Why I left that city? I came here. Now there is no place for leadership for me in this city. I came that far. But listen my friend. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up in right time. Here there is an invitation to live a crucified life so that this movement will not become a monument. The responsibility is on us. All those who want to say yes to Jesus, just lift up your hands and we're going to pray together. If this word has, has meant something to you in your heart, and tonight there is deliverance for you in this house. Because God has greater plans for your life. God has glorious plans for your life. He says, "My love is enough for you. My love is enough for you." Father, I thank you, God. You know the best way to get rid of offense is behold Him until you look like Him, because what you behold, you become.